How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Well, Ben, that was Ben Nipotent, our studio producer, standing in for Mark Stiles, who is on vacation. Ben, that was wonderful. That was Thank you very episode. much. Yeah, I'll do that. Is that better? Okay, good. Um... So, we have an incredible show tonight, but Ben, you doing okay in there tonight? I'm doing great, Dr. Joe. Good to see you guys. Good to see some uh, familiar faces again. Uh, I think we got a great show lined up tonight, don't we? Yes, we do. And we got Tom there. Tom, things going all right? I have the great pleasure of having in studio Couch Beach. Now, Couch Beach... Yes. <laughs> Couch Beach is a new up-and-coming... Would you say it's... Is it Rock and roll? No. How would you do it? So Becca is right here, and we've got Tristan is right here, and we've got Joe Ross, who oh. is the... Producer and uh, audio engineer. The producer and audio engineer. And there's one other member, but he's... Jacob, Jacob yeah. And he's playing yeah. somewhere tonight, yeah, he's right? Got a yeah. yeah. So, so tell me about the, what, what's Couch Beach? Well, as all you Marshfield people listening, you all know Couch Beach as the actual beach behind Couch Cemetery, um, which is where our name came from. But we are That's in... grave. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. mm. We, I guess we would consider ourselves kind of an indie rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Our genre is kind of varied, but yeah, it can, it can kind of be classified there. It fits in the vein <laughs> of indie and alternative rock, definitely. In- okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of what makes it so varied is we have uh, three core members, and each of us writes our own music as well as us writing collectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so each of us brings a different style and musical background to the group. Um, so on our EP that's coming out, we have one song that Becca wrote, one song that Jacob, our drummer, wrote, and one song that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to even say he's a drummer, because the truth is we're all switching instruments all the time. So. <laughs> we're all yeah. musicians. Yeah, you're all musicians, <laughs> right? So switching yep. instruments, because I, I actually just saw you guys... Um, playing uh, over the weekend at, where was that? Midway Cafe at JP. Midway Cafe, which Mm. is a great venue. And yeah, absolutely, these folks, you know, Jacob is there on the drums, and next thing I know he's playing guitar, and then at some point I think he went over and played keyboard, and and Mm -hmm. Tristan is playing all sorts, I mean, how many different guitars you have. (laughs) How many guitars do you have, Tristan? Probably about ten. Ten different (laughs) guitars. Let me just stick with that for a moment. Why so many guitars? Well, first of all, I don't think anyone really has to have that many guitars. (laughs) (laughs) All you need is one to get going. Um, I've been very fortunate to grow up in a musical family uh, with a lot of guitar players, and I've inherited most of the guitars that I have. Um, There's definitely benefits to it, though, because uh, some of them are better for different styles, and in our band we use a lot of... um, different types of tunings and things, which I use as a songwriting tool, so it's handy to just have another guitar ready to go on stage. Yeah, so you'd mentioned this at some point before. What do you mean using different tunings to write different songs? What do you mean? So what I found is, for me, the the more uh, 
knowledgeable I became about the instrument, about the guitar, the more often I'd find myself kind of stuck songwriting-wise. Like, I'd find, like, I knew the name of every chord I was playing, and I was just thinking about, like, theory and things like that as I was going to music school and stuff. And when I put the guitar in, in, in a different tuning, it kind of takes me out of that. So I'm, I'm just being creative. I'm not thinking about, like, what's the name of this chord? What am I doing? It's mm. just the sound. And it's the same way if I sit at a piano player, not really being a piano player, I, um, at the piano, I kind of have the same experience where it's more creative for me. And guitar still is creative for me, but I just find if I'm getting stuck, that's one way to get out of it. Hmm. Got it. I can't even imagine having 10 tubas. (laughs) Yeah, so that gets to Becca, who plays tuba and keyboard, and and everybody sings. Everyone sings and writes, which is pretty unique. Right. But then there's putting all that sound together. Which Joe Mm -hmm. Raz. And there's Joe. That's That's where I come in, yeah. and, And how did you get into that? Well, I met... Becca and Tristan and Jacob actually first year of school at college at Berkeley so fall 2015 and they approached me I think was it last year I think Mm -hmm. saying hey we're doing this new band and we we wrote these songs would you want to produce them I'm like yeah let's do it let's do it it's gonna be fun you know and they brought it was great working with them because I really got to be a producer with them because the quality of work they brought to me was at such a high caliber already Mm -hmm. you know so really like on settle down and start again i didn't have to really produce too much because it was pretty much almost finished the way they arranged the songs and these are two of the songs settle down and start again on the ep yes okay yes and sweatshirt the one becker wrote i I got to have a lot of fun with (laughs) because it was super high energy and kind of rock but it wasn't rocking out quite enough Mm -hmm. so i'm like okay and they trust me so i actually got to play a little bit of guitar on it yeah and bass bass too really yeah so i really got to take on the role of producer and it was pretty awesome a lot of fun and we're gonna hear bits of this not not the whole thing Mm -hmm. because so we are releasing our EP Ooh. in the very near future. Yeah. Um, so we want to give everyone a little sneak peek. Sneak peek of what's what to expect, and hopefully they want to hear more. A sneak yeah. audio peek. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we'll yes. be we'll be posting soon um, about the official release date, which will be pretty soon. But um, if you're interested in that, you can find that on our Facebook page, Couch Beach, and we just made an Instagram yeah. with Joe Raz's yeah. help. You can find them on Instagram at Couch Beach Band on Instagram. Yeah. So, for those people in my age generation, we know about an LP. What's Mm. an EP? Ah. So, that this goes back to the days of records too. Back to the back to the days. (laughs) Records, vinyl records. Do you remember those old things that we used to put on players? Yeah. Go ahead. So you have your 45 single, double side, A and B side, two songs on each side, right? And your long play, which has a collection of maybe 12 or 13 songs. That's what the LP is. The LP. And so the extended play was usually on a 45, and it had two songs per side. So, mm. so instead of a single, it was the extended play. I see. Yeah. And now this is a, a like a digital version, or yeah, yeah. So people still call me EPs. The name is stuck. What I want to do is I just want to remind folks just real quick about the I am approach because that's really part of how we tie all this together. Remember, the I am 
is saying everyone's doing the best they can at every moment in time with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can. It is your current maximum potential. This is who I am. And just about Greg Brasso thinks that I am means influence many. Greg, I know you're listening out there. Remember, you control no one. You influence everyone, not just many. And you are an influence on people. So here's the deal with the I am. We are influenced by four domains. The home domain, the social domain, which is everything other than the home, the biological domain of your brain and body. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you digesting your lunch? And then the I see domain. How do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? Human beings are very interested in what other people think or feel. We call that empathy. But what we really want to know is, what are you thinking about me? And these four domains are always in play, and we are always responding to them. But I truly believe we respond the best we can. This means there is no sickness, there's no pathology, no one's broken. And yet so many people so often feel inadequate. So the I am is saying, forget about that. You don't have to like your I am. You don't have to condone it. It's not a free ride. You're going to be held responsible. And the I am doesn't even mean you're going to be successful. And one definition of success is when you love going to work and love going home. But for some people, success is having enough food in the fridge. For some people, success is having a home to have a fridge. For some people, success is just being able to wake up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so people can look at what is their definition of success, but the I am becomes a roadmap to get you closer to it. So instead of judging ourselves and other people as less than and broken, not doing as well as we can, always should be doing better, let's look again at why we do what we do, based on the influence of the domains. And if you think about the words, look again, again, look, again, to repeat something, look like a spectator, the I am is saying, let's respect why we do what we do. And when's the last time you got angry at someone treating you with respect? Mm -hmm. Right? Never. Because res respect just feels so good. Anger is an emotion designed to change things. We get angry when we want somebody to do something different. Start doing something, stop doing something, but being respected feels great, so we don't get angry. Respect leads to value, which is what everybody wants. Think about every person you've ever met in your life. The common thread is they just want to feel valued by somebody else. And at every and any moment in time, you can remind someone of their value. And whenever you remind someone of their value, you increase your own value. So respect leads to value. Value leads to trust. And trust is the antidote to fear and anger and sadness. Because when you trust someone, you know you can make a mistake and they're not going to judge you as less than. So the I am has two rules. Because the domains interconnect, a small change in any domain can have a big effect. And we're going to talk about the small change that you're hoping you can make in people with your music. And the second rule that I alluded to, talking about Greg, is because everyone has an I am. Everyone's interested in what you think or feel about them. And you're part of someone's home or social domain. And you have an influence on their brain and body by the way you treat them through the IC domain. You control no one. You influence everyone. And you get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. So with that sort of as the parameter and background, I want to just talk a little bit about the biological domain of your music. What is the music like for you when you're creating it, when you're producing it? What happens inside you? Joe, you want to start? What's the feeling Ooh. like when you're producing? Well, hmm, it's a great question. <laughs> uh, well, how, how I was taught to listen 
and this is what my dad taught me he's like Joe music is supposed to make you feel good mm. and like for me I'm looking to feel happy and like have a good time when I listen to music you know an emotional response pretty much you know that's kind of how I prefer to listen and a lot of the music I like to listen to it doesn't have to be happy it can be a different emotion mm-hmm. as well but you know I take that and I think why is pop music and commercial music sound happy most of the time People want to dance. People want to sing along to it. So I'm thinking, all right, so I can use this feeling to make something sound more commercial. And that's what I tried to do on Sweatshirt and these other three, other two songs on the EP. So before I get to you guys, can we hear a little bit of a clip? Which one should we start uh, with? Probably Sweatshirt. Okay, yeah. so we'll go in order of the EP. Yeah. We'll go in the order of the EP. So we're going to start with Sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. This one's by Becca. sound i didn't get to listen to that too much beforehand so well done guys Thank you. yeah it's a rocker for sure yeah. it's a rock and i'm getting yeah. goosebumps uh, yeah you know it's it's a great tune now becca let's let's get to you tell us about the tune the inspiration the feeling that you get when you were writing it when you're singing it playing it listening yeah. to it so um this is very different from anything I've ever written before. I do film scoring at Berkeley, so I'm used to um, writing classical music primarily and playing classical music, but uh, I've listened to all types of music my entire life, and um, something about this style really speaks to me when I'm singing, especially. I can really just let loose in a way that you can't when you're working with films because everything is on a tight schedule and you have to be working frame by frame with movies. So. In this piece, I really just got to let loose and write about something that was really important to me with a friend who seems to be a little lost. And sweatshirt? How did it come with the title sweatshirt? Because she always wears a sweatshirt. (laughs) Ah. It's the opening line of the song. So this this is, is wonderful because that's part of what music is about, isn't it? It's about not just being inspired but also inspiring others what small change do you hope you can make in others when they listen to that song i just hope that someone can listen to it and realize that um they don't have to pretend to be something they're not Mm -hmm. and that you know what they're doing there i am is perfectly okay the way it is yeah (laughs) isn't that so true right that is really the message you know, how many times do we think we should be doing something different, think we should be doing better? And sometimes, you know, remember, that's an I am as well. If you think you should be doing better, that's still your I am. But if you don't like it, you can change it. You can make that small change. So mm-hmm. that's what you're trying to get across with that song. Is Yeah. Now, just, you know, full disclosure, folks, uh, Becca has grown up with the I am because she <laughs> is my youngest daughter. <laughs> I have uh, an advantage here. She has an advantage. <laughs> yeah. But do you think, I mean, not to be, you know, put you on the spot, but do you think it has influenced you? Yeah, 
Um, it is kind of weird growing up with a psychiatrist for a dad, but <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, he's still your dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's given me a unique perspective on the world, and I've been a lot more understanding of um, humanity as a whole because of it. Thank you, Becca. You're welcome, Dad. <laughs> so I I also I think have become you know, more understanding of humanity. When I developed it back in 1982, there was a lot of stuff going on. And I started really thinking, you know, if we keep criticizing everyone, if we keep being, you know, putting everyone down, what good is that really going to do? And unfortunately, you know, we live in a world where that happens mm -hmm. way too much. Mm -hmm. So Joe talked about earlier how um, he, he got to have the most creativity with Sweatshirt because I came to him with this and was like, I have this song, and I'm a classical mm -hmm. tuba player trying to be a rock star. <laughs> so what can what can you do for me? And so we, we recorded it in a professional studio, and then we recorded it in multiple other studios. And finally, those final vocals you just heard ended up being recorded in Joe's I don't know, four-foot closet. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. <laughs> you know, Surrounded by yeah. sweatshirts. <laughs> yeah, surrounded by sweatshirts. No, so. really? Yes, I exactly. love that. Yeah. So what's this about? Yeah, so it's kind of funny. My closet makes a really great vo sound and vocal booth, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, I got a microphone up in there and a pair of headphones and my audio interface at home. Like, let, yeah, let's do the vocals at home. And it's funny because most artists I work with prefer to do vocals in a home space rather than a studio space because mm. it's more comfortable for them. And especially like when you're in my closet, there's no window yeah. there. So you can't peek in, no one can watch you. And like, it's a little warm, gets a little warm in there, there's not a lot of ventilation, but like, it makes you feel comfortable. And it allows the, the artist to be very vulnerable in their vocal takes, which is ultimately what you want hmm. in a vocal performance. Yeah. Why is that what you want? That's what people latch onto when they hear it. Really? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you know, recorded music, it's telling a story. And if you don't sound authentic in the story you're telling, people aren't going to believe you. Hmm. So you have to deliver that performance or else people are not going to listen to your record, hmm. you know. Yeah. And I feel at-home recording with a vocal take like that really kind of gets to the point faster because your artist is so much more comfortable. You know, that... that that again gets back to the I am. So yeah. there you are in the home domain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does that affect your biological domain, the IC domain? Yeah, it's it was really interesting because you know in the professional studio we were in, it was not. Um, I wasn't able to just let loose and yep. like really just go for it because I'm looking at Joe and I'm looking at Tristan mm -hmm. and I'm looking at Jacob and I'm like they're all looking at me and judging me. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And, and you're on the clock, right? right. So yeah, there's a the time clock, pressure because yeah. you yep. right. Yeah. Yes. So. so you see how powerful this is, how that small change has this big effect. Yep. A small change of coming out of a studio and into a closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the there's irony. something. The <laughs> irony there is great. You know, I'm so tempted to say, I'll just say, because we want so many people who, who have to and who want to, to come out of the closet. But this <laughs> is, I'm sorry. All right, so um, let's let's uh, get another clip up. Which one are so we doing next? we're going to go to Settle Down, which is Jacob's original. And he's not here to talk about it, but we can give you a little yeah. synopsis. Okay. <laughs> ben? I'm like, whoa. Settle down, I don't want to settle down right now 
these are such teasers, these yeah. clips. Yeah. All right, who wants to step in for Jacob on this one? Uh, so I can't go too specific, I think, with what it's about, but basically it's the second song on our EP, and it's also about relationships, which I think all three of our songs are really about. And if you think about it, most songs are probably about yeah. some sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, I don't mean just romantic relationships. I mean, Sweatshirt's more of a friendship story, but these mm -hmm. songs are very relatable. So, I mean, they're telling a specific story, but they're also open enough that it's pretty easy, I think, to, to find things to relate to in them. And um, Settle Down is talking about someone Jacob had met who I think just had a very different perspective than him on where they were at in life and what they were trying to do. Um, like some people are ready to just start a family when they're yeah. 20 or something, mm -hmm. and other people are thinking, wow, I'm years away from that. Mm. And um, Jacob's just such a great songwriter, and he does um, he's great at kind of flipping a lyric throughout the song yeah. where um, the meaning of Settle Down, the title of the song, can kind of change throughout the song. Um, my favorite lyric in there is... Um, <laughs> He has this line in the song that's, that we didn't play in the clip. Yeah, you're going to have to listen to the record when it's released to hear it. Okay. But the line goes, maybe I'll sign up for classes in the fall, and maybe we'll get married when I graduate and drive a Subaru. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sorry, all the Subaru listeners out there. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but, but again, it, it yeah. captures so many stories, yeah. right, of, yeah. of sort of the, the timing aspect of a relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, that you can have great intimacy you can have people who love you but if you're not ready for something and somebody else is how do you manage that discrepancy mm -hmm. and it's very often just about timing yeah doesn't have anything to do with the integrity of the relationship it's about the timing of it mm -hmm. but again the influence that you have on other people mm -hmm. so what are you hoping you know what do you think jake i mean don't mean to get you speaking for him but you know what do you think he was trying to get across with this one? What small change was he hoping to make? Well, I've always kind of interpreted it as um, everyone is at their own place in life and that, you know, mm -hmm. if, if two people have different views of where they think they're going in a relationship, that that's okay. And you mm -hmm. don't need to hang on to something that um, might not be working out for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we all get to different places in our own time. And um, yeah. earlier in the song, he's talking about, you know, wanting to party and not be, you know, not be settled down. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And later on in the song, he's saying, maybe I'll settle down when these nights alone catch up with me. So he's talking mm -hmm. about, you know, maybe eventually he will find himself ready for that type of commitment or for that type of, like, to start a family and that type of thing. Hmm. And what was it like producing this one for you? Oh, this one was a lot of fun because they're some of my favorite drum sounds I've ever gotten <laughs> yeah. from an engineering perspective. But And uh, this one, we also had Christian playing bass on it, too, yeah. as well. And really what you hear on the record is very similar to what they initially brought to me, you know. Mm. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple things I did where I had, like, a delay on the guitar and stuff like that uh, from a producer's standpoint. But when a song comes to me almost finished, I make the producer's decision to say, this is good as it is, hmm. and I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. You know? Because mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to capture lightning in a bottle, and if it's right in front of you, well, hey, there it is. You know what I mean? 
So, and that's not always an easy decision to make. No, to say, not at all. you know, this is when we stop. Yeah, it takes a true professional to know when that moment occurs because yes. any old person that doesn't know what they're looking at will see that moment and go, "Good," just like every other moment. But a real pro who knows what they're talking about will see that a mile away. Good call. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned a little bit, Joe, that, that your your dad has had an influence on Yes, very on much music. so. So let's talk about that home domain. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I can tell you about my first memory of life. Okay. Too, and it has to do with music. Awesome. I was two years old in the backseat of my dad's car. I think you might be listening right now, too, in the car seat. <laughs> And a cassette tape of Electric Light or- or Orchestra Greatest Hits. Mm. Songs like Evil Woman and Turn to Stone and all those. And we would play those as we went to a local playground called Covered Bridge Park. And it's called Covered Bridge Park because you had to cross a covered bridge in your car to get to the park. Mm. That's cool. Mm. And it's a bright spring day. We were skipping rocks in the stream, in the creek, as you say in Pennsylvania. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that music brings me right back to that. And color is very prominent in those memories too so from a young age my father has taught me how to listen mm. and he he's the one who said yo this is a great song listen to this you know anytime on the radio a good song will come on oh yo listen to this you know huh. so mm. my and then my dad's not a musician himself but he's a fine artist but he's got a producer's ear and he really knows how to listen so mm. i learned a lot from him hmm. yeah yeah that home domain can be pretty yeah. powerful influence and listening is very different from just hearing. Yeah. You can hear something. Yeah. But maybe you're not processing it. Maybe you're not actually listening to what is being said, whether there are words or not. Mm-hmm. Take that one in, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I'm, am, I, am I hearing you or am I listening? I don't know. You tell me what I just say. I'm just kidding. Jeez. Getting beat up tonight, Dr. Joe. <laughs> I, well, it's, it's my kid. So, no, no, I don't feel that way at all. I, I don't feel beat up. I feel like, you know, it is so true because that's part of what we do in psychiatry mm-hmm. is we are really listening to people. We are really watching and paying attention to the way they say things, not just the content of what they're saying, but how they're saying it. So important. We talk... You know, one of the things I like to say is I want to talk with people, not mm. to them. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're talking to someone, it's like you're talking at someone. But mm-hmm. talking with someone, you are now in a relationship. Yeah. And you're right, all this music is about relationships. Tristan, Home Domain, how's that had an influence on, on your music? I think the Home Domain really can't be understated in, in the realm of music. I think that um, the music that we grow up on that our parents play for us from a young age or sing to us um, uh, and the music that they appreciate and that we also take to, um, it sticks with you. And I think that music always evokes a very strong emotional response. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite songs to perform when I first became a performer were always the songs that my parents sang to me, like as nursery rhymes, basically, which were like, you know, a lot of Beatles songs and Billy Joel songs and James Taylor. Um, and those songs just brought me back to that feeling of being a kid and the music making you feel a certain way, feeling secure or safe or relaxed. Um, and I also teach private guitar lessons, and I find a lot of um, parents are wondering, like, what do we do 
to make our kid want to practice more, want to take more lessons, because um, <clears throat> they know the importance of music, they know about it. But I find that the kids who are in a home where the parents are enjoying music a lot, um, those kids tend to be the most excited about it and the most motivated. Um, and even the ones who aren't, I mean, they hear it all the time. It's on the radio or it's, you know, when you're in the grocery store or something. But I do think, like Joe was talking about, even if your parents aren't musicians, if they show you the value of really listening to music yep. and what it can do for your memories, like yep. tying into mm -hmm. different things. I have some strong memories of, uh, like, I remember the first time uh, my dad showed me some really heavy music. We put on some Metallica and blasted <laughs> it in the car on our way to a concert, uh, which is one of my first shows, um, to see. And I think the music really does help cement things in your brain in a certain way. And I think, like, with film scoring, like Becca does, that's really a big part of it, tapping into um, tapping into people's emotions with the music that the you're writing. The psychology of music. Yeah. Absolutely. You yeah, we had... We had Professor Howland on here from, from Berkeley a few weeks ago talking yeah. about the brain and music and how powerful it is. And she told me something that I didn't realize that, you know, the brain has different sites where certain things happen, like we have a place where vision happens and, you know, where um, speech happens. Mm -hmm. But music sort of goes all over That's the cool, brain. Yeah. It's really interesting. And, you know, talk about the memories of music. Mm -hmm. Memory has to do with, you know, part of the brain called the limbic system. Mm -hmm. um, and those memories can be evoked, yeah. triggered by so many different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I still remember some songs that I was listening to when some very sad things were happening in my life. And mm -hmm. I think about those songs, just thinking about them, yeah. you know, can make me feel sad, like... Like right now, <laughs> but it does. It's powerful, powerful. And then you know, I'll just ask you, Becca. Even though I know some of the answers, home domain for you. How did that influence well, you? Um, I so my dad is musical. I don't know if anyone knows this, but he wrote that song. That's the intro and outro to the Doctor Joe Show. Ooh. The Vincent Van Gogh kind of. That's that's my dad's song, which is pretty cool. So. Uh, I grew up listening to my dad playing piano and writing songs, and um, I also grew up listening to uh, what my mom listened to and what my dad just enjoyed rather than writing, so there was a lot of variety in everything, and, um, you know, I eventually settled on classical music, which was interesting because um, neither my mom or dad really like put classical music on the radio you know it was like classical music would be when we're having dinner or something like that but um and I guess I shouldn't say settled on classical music because right. you know I I primarily played classical music but I was listening to everything I listened to heavy metal when I was in middle and high school and even some now so <laughs> um you know it's it's a huge variety and I think part of being a musician is being able to um, never put yourself into a box of one genre. Mm -hmm. So I think my home domain taught me, you know, variety is key, even if my home domain wasn't trying to teach me that. No, just, you <laughs> it know, happened. Just, you know, having music in the house is so important. And then, and then the social domain, Becca, let's stick with you for a bit, because uh, I remember uh, you were playing clarinet. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just, you know, full disclosure, I had just finished paying off 
the clarinet that we were <laughs> that we had for Becca. And yeah. then what happened, Becca? Well, <laughs> there wasn't a tuba player in the middle school at the time, and um, the band director said that someone needed to play tuba, and so I forgot my clarinet to rehearsal one day. Small changes can have big yeah. effects. And um, so I was just sitting in band listening, and the band director was like, all right, someone has to play tuba, so I'm going to play in the band, and um, you can listen to it, and whoever wants to play can play. And so I'm listening, and I just thought it was the coolest sound I'd ever heard, <laughs> and it was also big and shiny, and <laughs> I was like, I have to play that. I have to play that instrument. And... Um, so I asked the teacher right after class, and he said, yeah. And I had a lesson, I think, the next day. <laughs> and Becca, how tall were you compared to how tall was the tuba? Hmm. I think <laughs> the tuba was probably, like, only a foot shorter than I was. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really big instrument, um, and it still is. It still is. And then there was yeah. the sousaphone. Remember when you were playing that in the marching yep. band? Yep. That was also very... Large and painful insurance play. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, tuba is just a whole other world of of instrument and class. Um, it's very underrated, I think. And you'll hear on the EP that a lot mm. of the bass, except for on "Settle Down," is tuba. Mm -hmm. mm. And um, it, there's a much more unique timbre to it. It's mm -hmm. not just um, you plugging a string instrument into an amp. It's there's there's so much warmth and depth to the sound that mm -hmm. you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> and you sing. So, I mean, it is a bit of a unique combination to have this yep. <laughs> young woman playing tuba in and of itself. Yeah. You know? It's pretty, it's it's a cool thing. <laughs> I'm just with you in the social domain and, and your music. How how did this occur? Because you told about the home domain. So about the social domain. So music started for me with the home domain, getting interested in it. And then um, I started getting into songwriting and things like that. And I think that was mostly for myself. It was just kind of therapeutic. I wrote poetry before I wrote songs. And then I started doing songwriting. And I found that even I was able to get even more emotion out and just kind of figure out what I was feeling. But then when the social aspect came into it, um, was about in middle school. In fifth grade, I had my first performance where I was playing for our whole elementary school, which was pretty nerve-wracking. Wow. Um, playing guitar? I was playing guitar while the whole school sang What a Wonderful World for our uh, principal who is retiring. Oh. Um, and my hands were definitely sweaty and shaking, I'm sure. Biological <laughs> um, domain yep. of play. Yep. But uh, no in middle school, um, my friend uh, Rohan, who I'd known since preschool, he had been into singing and he had a friend from his school who played drums and uh, they were like why don't we all get together and just hang out and we hung out and we got along we we're like why don't we start a band and that was my friend Paul who um, I still make music with and we're still close friends um, so he was the one really pushing like we should start a band now we should do it we didn't even have a bass player it's just drums one guitar one voice and we performed a few shows like that, and we quickly realized, you know what, we want to get a bass player. <laughs> and um, we got a bass player and all that. And anyways, that band carried on all the way through the end of my time in high school. But um, I quickly realized that when you're playing your songs for yourself, that's one thing. But when you play your songs for other people, mm -hmm. um, whether they're the other people in the band, but especially for an audience, things like that, and you get a reaction from them, 
and you're able to make other people feel something and not just yourself, yeah. you feel the value of your music so much mm. more and of yourself. Yeah. That is so true. That is so true. And that has to do with, you know, that brain chemical oxytocin, <laughs> neurohormone of trust, that pleasure that we get when somebody says you're amazing. Before we get to the last clip, so how, how do people uh, get, get you guys again? So there's a Facebook page, yep. Couch Beach. Is it Couch yep. Beach Music or just Couch, just Couch, Couch Beach? Beach. Yep. Yep. Just Couch Beach. And there, we just made an Instagram page tonight. Okay. And that, the handle is Couch Beach Band, at Couch Beach Band. Okay. Yeah. And do you have uh, any performances coming up or you just had one last week? Yeah, we just had one on Sunday. Okay. Um, and then we will be doing like an EP release show okay. at some point. Yeah. TBA. Yeah. And on this EP is another song. This one's by Tristan. Mm -hmm. So can we, uh, let's hear this one. Th th this song is called Start Again. Start Again. Stretching far and wide I'm giving just my deepest pride away Stretching tall and thin, just looking for a place to start. A place to start again, darling. A place to start again. Okay, that little bit of tuba there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> that little bit yeah. of tuba at the end. All right, Tristan, tell us about this one. Uh, so the interesting thing about this song is it's one of the first songs I've written yeah. not about myself. Hmm. So some of my favorite songwriters uh, claim that they wrote songs about, like from the perspective of characters or f other people, and I hadn't really messed with that before. And I had a couple friends who were going through kind of similar things to one another, and it just kind of inspired me to write this song kind of from their joint perspective. Um, and that's really interesting because you're always a part of it, even if you try to not be a part of it, if you're writing as somebody else or something like that. Um, who you are always comes into play. So I found myself afterwards feeling very connected to this song, even though it's not specifically about my story. Um, so I think that's just... It almost is like I'm able to feel like a listener who might connect to the song for their own reason, different from the initial reason it was written. Um, but the song is about different types of relationships um, where we, you know, we often are close with people and fall out of touch or break up or, you know, different things like that. And then we sometimes get in this cycle of it where we kind of find ourselves coming back together. Um, when I wrote the song, it might have had a more pessimistic look at it, like <laughs> like maybe this is a cycle to get out of it mm. sometimes. Um, but then some other people who heard it, you know, viewed it more positively. Um, so I think that's the cool thing about the song that's, is it, it can be taken a lot of different ways. You said ways. it like that because how the vocals came to be, it wasn't originally a duet. Mm -hmm. And what happened was this is the, the first song we recorded, and. In, we were at a professional studio and our time was running out. <laughs> and it was only 30 minutes till we had to be out the door. And we didn't break down the room yet. We were trying to fix stuff. And Tristan and Becca were like, can we just get one pass of vocals? I'm like, yeah, cool, let's do it. So I set up two mics 
no isolation, nothing in the middle of the room with them facing each other. I was like, just do it real quick, one mm. take, let's do it. And that's what you hear on the record. Because we tried redoing the vocals later to get like a better sonic sound, and the whole record completely changed. The vibe, the feeling, the emotion just wasn't there anymore. Because we tried doing the vocals by themselves, and they weren't looking yeah. at each other when they were singing. So yeah. so this take is actually both of them singing at the same time? At the time. same time, standing right in front can, of each other, looking at each other. Can we just hear it again then, Ben? And just, just the short clip? Stretching far and wide, I'm giving just my deepest pride away. Stretching tall and thin, just looking for a place to start. Place to start again, darling. Place to start again. Hear how together they are. Yeah. Really can. I mean, yeah. you know, knowing that part yeah. of the story, I can, I can just see yeah. that connection. That yeah that electricity between mm -hmm. the two of them. It's interesting, too, because um, listening to it, I can hear myself smiling when I was singing this, uh -huh. which uh -huh. actually really changes the mood because it's a really dark and sad lyric. I'm yeah. giving just my deepest pride away. Yeah. But there I am looking at Tristan trying not to laugh because this is the only <laughs> take we've got. <laughs> and so I'm smiling, and it just changes the tone, too. It changes everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this, this adds this remarkable dimension that I don't think listeners really appreciate when mm -hmm. they're hearing this about yeah. what is the dynamic that happens so this is an IC domain right so mm -hmm. so how did you see yourself then as you're and how did you think Tristan was seeing you as you're standing face to face singing I think that we just kind of um, we assumed that we would you know redo this later mm -hmm. so we're just looking at each other like all right well let's just take one and see where it goes and it'll be fun and kind of hilarious <laughs> and it was carefree and that's the attitude the song needed yeah and that's it and yep. respect leads to value value leads to trust you trust let's just do it and if we make a mistake we can do something over yeah mm -hmm. so so the i see domain remember how i see myself how i think other people see me how do you guys want to be seen as couch mm -hmm. beach you know I don't know if you've ever really thought about it until you just asked that. I'm so <laughs> glad. And here it is for the first time. Um, what do you think? How do you want to be seen? How do you want people to see you? What do, what do you want them to experience when they are listening to Couch Beach? Yeah, you know, this is such an interesting music project because it's three different songs and three different styles, but you can all tell it's the same band. And mm -hmm. I think you can tell that because how honest the songs have been written. And I think people are going to connect with that emotionally. And it's all played by the same people, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I think that is the goal, just to um, have someone to be able to connect with it. it. If it's one person, if it's 100 people, if it's how, however many it is. If, yeah. if people can connect mm -hmm. with it and, you know, um, they understand that we're humans, too, and we're all sharing this interesting experience of yeah. life. It's hard to <laughs> label the project as one genre. Yeah. But I just like to think of it as three friends or four friends. Four friends. Four friends. Just, right. making, <laughs> just making music together and having a great time, you yeah. know. And I think that says a lot, and people will connect with that a yeah. lot, you know. Yeah. Tristan, what about you? I think that word human, too, is a big part of it because we're really, like, if you see one of our live shows or something, you know, we're not trying to put on some huge spectacle. I mean, we're 
logistically, we're all switching instruments all the time. Becca's going between tuba, piano, and singing all in the same song sometimes. Mm. And, um, you know, you see the things you don't see in a bigger show. You see the little, you know, oh, we're tripping over this or getting across the stage. Mm -hmm. We're doing this or that. You know, we're just three humans on stage, and um, we're not trying to really cover that up at all. Um, we're just trying to let, you know, let our listeners and our audience kind of feel like they're a part of it too like they're yeah. a part of our our experience which they are they are the audience has a huge impact on the way that you portray your song because mm -hmm. once you release your music it's not your music anymore it's your audience's music huh oh. wow that's that seemed to startle you Becca. <laughs> i just never yeah it's yeah. it's it's true it's not you your know? song anymore yeah people it's, decide whether they want to listen to it or not it's and what it means to them songs. and what it means to them yep because everybody's going to interpret it a little bit differently. Right. Which doesn't mean it no longer means anything to you. It's mm -hmm. it's still yeah. connected with you. But yeah. So are you are you going to potentially have that opportunity when you when you launch the EP to have a place where people can comment on how it influenced them, the impact on them, what it reminded them about? That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that you would know. be a really unique and interesting thing to do yeah and i like that because it's not saying what do you think about us that's right what yeah, do you think about our music yeah. what do that's you think right. about how are we doing you know yeah. uh-uh it's not like enough about me how'd you like my book no it's not <laughs> yeah. right no it really is because i i think you're you're so on the mark people resonate with different things for different mm -hmm. reasons and if they have a place where they can share that with each other I think that'll cascade, you know, yeah. Couch Beach into something that's different. Um, gosh, do you think that was a psychiatry thing? <laughs> On the Couch Beach? <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, I won't, won't go there. So, look, this this has been so much fun. The EP's coming out soon, mm -hmm. yeah. and people can learn about that going to... Facebook. Uh, Facebook, the Couch Beach Facebook page, and on Instagram, at Couch Beach mm -hmm. Band. Okay, and this is just yeah. the first of many many releases to come because there's some other songs already in the works and mm -hmm. I know that you guys are so creative I just want to just thank all of you being here because I get to say that I had one of the very first interviews with Couch Beach alright guys wild, who knows?